He'll be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Amen. I'm thankful that I know His name, and His name is Jesus. Amen. Anybody here love the name of Jesus? Let's praise Him one more time. Oh, yes, we worship you, Lord. We bless you tonight. Praise God. Thank you for being faithful to the house of God. It's good to have Brother Kenny and Sister Bridget home. Amen. With their family, Lincoln, and a brand new addition, Harrison. He's a fine-looking young man. Amen. We're glad they're here. Spent many years here with us. We're thankful for that. Always glad to have them come home. He's going to minister the word of the Lord tonight. Anybody hungry for for that word? Amen. Let's praise the Lord as he comes. Praise the Lord. Amen. It is truly wonderful to be home. And uh, it's good to have a pastor that loves me. Amen. Some people think just because I'm not here bodily that he's not still my pastor. But he's still my pastor. And it seems like when I'm not with him, I get more correction than when I am with him. Maybe that's because he keeps me better in line. But he he still has the ability to to speak into my life. And I don't. he probably doesn't know all that he does for me but uh, twice in my life he probably doesn't know it's twice in my life he has told me to get out of a situation and as as a pastor if you'll let a pastor be your pastor when he i don't know why i'm saying this is just coming to me somebody needs to hear it but if you'll let a pastor be your pastor when he says get out of it the correct response is yes sir and, and twice, I don't, he probably doesn't even know it, but twice my response was, yes, sir. One time I was a little slower to get out of it. My answer was still, yes, sir. I just kept thinking something better was coming. But I still didn't question. Amen? And I'm not going to charge you for that. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the second chapter of Mark. And I see a face out there I hadn't seen in a long time. Brother Dwayne, good to see you, man. Amen. And a lot of new faces and a lot of good folks. Amen. It's always home home to us here. And uh, I thought about coming by myself, just making a quick trip. But I know which way the rail runs when you get run out on it for not bringing a new baby. So I thought we better all make the trip. And we really made a good trip, and we're looking forward to the next few days and then back home. Amen. Mark, the second chapter, not an unfamiliar passage, but hopefully I can share with you what the Lord has shared with me, and it will bring a little different light than just the Sunday school lesson you've learned. It says, And again he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house and straightway men many were gathered together insomuch that there was no room to receive them no not so much as about the door and he 
he preached the word unto them. And they come unto him bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick, It's going to get better. Amen. Will you put your Bibles down and let's just talk to the Lord for a minute. Jesus, we love you. We come to your word. We don't take it lightly, God. We want it to minister to our hearts and minds. Lord, speak to us tonight. Let your word captivate us and transform us. God, help us to embrace it. Lord, we want to be changed before we walk out of these doors tonight. We give you glory and honor for it. We give you the praise for all that we've already experienced. But, Lord, we're not finished yet. We're not satisfied yet. God, would you open up the windows of heaven just a little more and pour out your blessings upon us. We give you glory and honor and praise for it. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Praise God. Amen. 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 Thank you for standing on the word of the Lord. You can be seated. He had come a second time to Capernaum here. But he had already been there. And he came to Galilee, to the area to preach the word. He needs to preach the word. That was his, he he literally told them, I've come here for this area to preach to them, to minister. That's what I'm here for. You need the word in your life. As exciting as it is to see the miraculous, exciting as it is to be a part of those, those amazing moments that come living for God, you need the word. And, and it must have been an amazing thing to to have been a part of this. Let me just back up a little bit because Jesus had, I don't have an, the exact time frame. It doesn't really give us a, a, a weekly or monthly record here. But Jesus had just shortly before our text had just walked through the area in Galilee and, and saw Simon and Andrew on their dad's boat getting ready to fish and just called them and, and they stopped what they were doing. They gave up their career as fishermen and, and followed him because he said, I'll make you fishers of men. And, and just right after that, he comes upon James and John and, and says the same thing, basically them, come with me. And they stop everything. They, they leave behind careers. They leave behind lives that they have been living in and been probably trained up to do to walk and follow this man. Now, so there's something about Jesus that when you get Beyond the sound, beyond the the applause, beyond all the amazing things, there has to be something about him that catches your attention. Because we sang beautiful songs tonight and we we magnified him, that, that creates an atmosphere. But if you don't see anything beyond what you've felt already, you're going to miss out on seeing Jesus. You're going to miss out on what he can say to you when he can walk up and just simply say, follow me. Because something amazing must have taken place in Simon's mind and his heart and understanding when a man just walked up and just said, if you'll follow me. I don't think he was standing there saying, come, anybody come. and let, Waiting for, for, for some crazy person to come and say, I'll follow you anywhere. But he, 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 just, he knew, hey, I want these guys. And so when he spoke into their life, they didn't question. They didn't, didn't, they didn't see a reason to say, well, let's see what you can do first. And I promise you, if you'll let the word, if you'll let God speak to you tonight, you'll be able to say, you know what? 
I've got further to go with you. I've got more to do with you. I'm I'm, I'm glad to sing. I'm glad to magnify. I'm glad to worship because that presence can draw me close to him. And I can get to a place where I can hear him speak. And what Jesus really wanted to do was... He's glad to open blinded eyes. He's glad to to cast out devils. He's glad to heal people. He's glad to do that. But he said he came to preach the word. He came to speak into lives and to transform them. You need to understand that Jesus has a mission. And it is for his word, his voice to speak to you. He's not going to scream at you. He's not going to, 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 to crack open the heavens with lightning and thunder every time he needs to get your attention. But the best way to understand that God is speaking to you is to find his word and listen for him when he says, hey, hey, pay attention to this. I've got a word for you. I've got something. He he doesn't always have these amazing moments. I wish every time that God was getting ready to speak in my life uh, that lightning would, that that on a clear sunny day you're driving, all of a sudden this massive cloud rolls up and lightning and thunder and you hear this voice speak to you. Is I would know it was God. I'd have a man. Do you understand how easy it would be to just get it all right if that was the way it worked? But it is the moments when he says, I need to speak into these lives that he just walked over to some fishermen and said, come, come and follow me. I, I've got to speak into your life. He's willing to do that tonight. He's willing to preach and to minister and to talk. And the byproduct is what we get excited about. I, I get excited when I hear about blinded eyes open. I, I get excited about that. I, I have a friend that went to Bible college with me. He's now in Spain, and he, he's a missionary. He prayed for a woman's tattoo to disappear in a restaurant about three months ago, four months ago. And the woman's tattoo disappeared before her eyes. That right there is, is just something to get excited about. That's just amazing. She was just, just in the course of conversations, he was witnessing to her and speaking to her. And, and I don't know where, that, where the tattoo came into play at, but he said, God will take it off there. And, and that's exciting. But somewhere before there, God was saying, I want to speak to her. I want, to, I want to talk. And he began to speak into her life. And the byproduct was, I'll remove the tattoo. I'll remove some stains. I'll remove some scars off your life. But listen to my voice. Uh, listen to me when I talk to you. I want to get excited. I don't ever want to get so commonplace that they say, well, I, I, that's all right. I know that God could heal him. And I knew he was going to do it all along. And it's not even exciting. Because it's always exciting to see that. But it's not what God is focused on. He wants to speak into your life. He, you don't need a miracle if you can allow God to speak to you. You don't need something amazing to happen if you allow God to direct your life. Amen. Hey man, the world would love to tell us that God doesn't speak. Would love to tell us that His Word is invalid. Would love to do that. But, but you've got to understand that this Word, God's Word and Him speaking in your life, will establish you and establish your faith. You won't question things if you allow God to speak in your life. Uh, he, he, he literally, when He told people, uh, when He did great things, He told them. Because He, as He, as He, in this text, as He did miraculous things, He told them. Don't tell anybody. 
As he casts unclean spirits out, as he healed, don't tell. He, he, he even told the devils, don't speak. And I've often thought, why would you bother to even worry about them? But he knew that they would speak. And they would try to subvert. And they would try to change. And well, why did he tell the people not to speak? Because God doesn't need you going around saying what God is. Now, some of you think, well, yeah, yeah, I'm a witness. No, I'm not talking about that kind of witness. What he was literally doing was saying, if you'll be quiet over here, this person can hear what I'm doing and can see me and I can get a person. You don't need someone else to live for you. You don't need someone else to, to do it all for you. Uh, some of us are happy to sit back and listen to the stories of tattoos uh, disappearing. Uh, listen to the stories of someone else's life being transformed. And all the while you're sitting there saying, well, that is so great. Never realizing that God wants to do something for you, but you're waiting on someone else's voice. And God's saying, if you'll quit worrying about their miracle, I can do it for you. Amen. Amen. Anybody thoroughly confused now? All right, I'm doing all right then. But he told them, don't, don't say anything, because he wants you to have your own relationship, your own experience. Uh, I, I get excited. I love the, to hear what God is doing. It builds my faith. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's because I want to be a part of it when he does it in my life. I want to be a part of it when it's my time. You need to get your mind ready to have your own experience. Uh, you need to get yourself set to say, you know what? I came to see what God is going to do. Most of us stop right there. We'll come as spectators to see what God will do. I came to see what God will do in my life. I came to see what God is going to do in my personal space. I I want him to invade me. I I want him to be around me. I want to be able to hear him. I I want to feel him. I, I want to know him. I want him to talk to me. I don't want him to just be told about what he did. And too many people are, 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 are content to be spectators and to say, man, I'm so glad you got your blessing. I'm so glad you got your blessing. I, I knew the Lord could do it for you. And that's where it ends up at. But you need to come experience for yourself. Experience it for you. It got to the point that Jesus had to leave. Chapter 1, Jesus began to, to preach and the byproduct began to flow of miracles and people being delivered and lives changed and, and word began to sp- spread on the street until the point that he was at uh, Simon and Andrew's home and Simon's mother was sick and he healed her and it, it just began to blossom from there because the word on the street came. And so it got to the point that the scripture says he could no more openly enter into the city. He couldn't even go outside. You heard of paparazzi? That's the, the original paparazzi right there. Some of you smile at me because, all right. But he got to that point. So at that point, he realized there's too many spectators. And so he says, we got to go somewhere else. And so he leaves. He goes to another part of Galilee for a while. And the scripture brings us back around to when he comes again into Capernaum. He came back to a house, to a place. Probably the same house. Probably Simon. It doesn't give us a reference. It says he's in the house. I believe he's in the house tonight. Amen. It said that he was noised that it was that he was in the house. It was an apostolic house. It was a Pentecostal house. It was noise that he was in the house. You know, we get we get excited about our noise that we create, but sometimes we're just creating noise. 
I, I'm, I'm preaching to myself. Somebody look at me like, man, why is he just stepping on my... T-? He's kicking me right now. You get it. You can get the mindset that if the, wrong, the song's not right, well, it's just not going to work. But the noise has to come from you, from your mind, from your heart, from your soul that says, I, he's here. I feel him. I, I know him. And begin to well up inside of you. Something begins to take place. Have you noticed we don't live in a so Christian world anymore? Never in my life would I have dreamed that Islam would be on the march like it is even in my own nation. And never would I have dreamed that my neighbors don't know who he is. You know, you, you, 20 years ago it was, well, everybody's a good, you know, good, there's hard to find a good sinner anymore because everybody claims to be Christian. And, and, and it was almost 20 years ago that everybody was wearing WWJD shirts and, and bracelets and all the other stuff that goes along that. But do you know now they don't do that? Your neighbor doesn't read the Bible. Your neighbor doesn't know who he is. So it's time for the church to make some noise. It needs to be noise that he's in the house. It needs to be noise in your life that he's in the house. You need to make some noise in your school that he's in the house. You need to make some noise in your cubicle that he's in the house. Some of us have sat so long in the cubicle, so long on the job, and lived the way we lived, complacent and enjoying the fact that someone else is getting blessed and your coworker doesn't know about the noise. You've not gone to him and said, let me tell you what we heard about. What I heard spoke to me last night. God wants to do something and begin to make some noise in their life. It was noised that he was in the house. The scripture doesn't miss details. It, it wasn't that, hey, Jesus is back. In our modern day, it was blowing up Facebook that Jesus was back. That he had gone, but he was back. And some of you older folks today, it was on the front page of the newspaper. It was noise. It was what everybody was talking about, that Jesus was back. And the same crowd began to grow. You're never going to stop looky-loos. You're never going to stop people who just want to see what God can do, but they'll never let him in their life. They'll never let him transform and change them. They'll never let him do what he wants to do. He wants to preach a word into them. They'll never let him. But in that crowd, there's always somebody that says, if he'll, if he'll get close to me, I'm going to listen. If he'll get close, he'll do something. I, I, I promise you, uh, there's somebody tonight uh, that has got the same mindset. Say, well, he hasn't done anything. I've been so happy with what he's doing everybody else. Would you stop for a moment and take stock and say, when was the last time that I heard him speak to me? When was the last time that I felt him touch me? When was the last time that he helped me? When was the... It's not selfish to say, God, over here. You can be happy for your brother or your sister getting something, but every now and then, hey, Jesus, could you stop by right over here? I don't care what you do over there, but I need a little something over here. The crowd grew that Jesus was in the house. And so here comes along a very strange man. I'll leave that joke alone. He was born of four. Oh, only me. <laughs> My wife is ready to crawl in the pew. He was B-O-R-N-E of four. He was carried around by four people. He, I don't know about the man on the bed. I don't know if he came and said, Hey, guys, 
when you guys pick me up today, could you take me back, uh, back across town to Simon Andrew's house? Because it, the word on the street is Jesus over there. Doesn't give us any reference. But the story's not about him. The story is about those four men. The story is about the man who woke up every morning and said, another day that I've got to go over here and pick up Joe. I have pity on Joe, but I'm going to pick Joe up. And I'm going to drag Joe down to the next spot. And he, he, he's, he's, he's unhealthy. He's heavy. He's, he wears on his takes four of us. Four people were controlled by this one man. Now, I don't know about you, but every morning that I would have to wake up and say, Today, I've got to carry this guy, this load, this problem, this trouble. It's wearing them. Every day that I woke up saying, Well, another day, another time of picking up the cot and taking him to the doctor. Another time, if you've ever cared for someone, you know where I'm coming from. You've, you've had to deal with that. And you, you don't have, it's not that you hate them, it's not that you don't have compassion on them, but it controls your life. But forget about the guy on the cot. Because I want to talk about they. Those four men who I don't know how many times, let me just use my message. Like I said, I'm not going to use the Sunday school version. The Sunday school version is a lot nicer and easier and pleasant. And you've all heard it if you've ever been to Sunday school. But these guys had to go get this thing. And take it every day. And there's no telling how many times they passed the synagogue and would just say, you know what, guys, I wonder if today's a day that somebody could pray a prayer that would deliver us of this problem. I wonder, I heard about somebody over there had got a blessing. How many times have you prayed the prayer and says, this time, I just want you to do something, God. I just, I need you to help me with this burden, with this trouble, with this problem. He was a burden upon others. He was a problem for them. He was their trial. He was their problem. It's not about that man on the cot, but it's about the mindset of the man who woke up every morning and said, today my life will be controlled again by something I have to drag around with me, by something that I have to take with me, and it has to, it, I have to be on its schedule. I have to do, have you ever been controlled by something? There's people that wake up every morning and say, I, I don't want to shoot up. I, I don't want to use this drug. I, I don't I don't want to drink this drink, but I'm controlled by it. I'm on its schedule. I'm on its time. I'm on, I'm on its place. There are those that wake up every morning and say, today I just hate my life. And depression sinks in before they even get off the pillow. And they say, well, I'm back again. I don't know what the use is. I don't know what the place is. Why am I living in this life? Why, why, why? And question the darkness looms in upon them. And they drag it around with them. And they're controlled by it. And they, they find themselves every day contemplating, well, how could I end it? How could I get out of it? There's those that wake up every day with hatred, with problems, with situations, and they're on the agenda of the problem. They're not in control. And some of you say, well, I don't have those problems. How many things do you wake up with and say, I prayed that prayer, and it still hasn't happened? I've prayed for deliverance. I've prayed for the help. I've prayed for this. I've prayed for that. And I just can't get deliverance. Those men woke up that morning and said, well, here we go again another day. But the front page says Jesus is back. Let's get over to Jesus. 
And they load him up and they take him over there. And the crowd is pressed in. And there's no way to get through the crowd with four men. I mean, Scripture tells us that one little woman with the issue of blood, the best blood, the best she could do was get to the hem of his garment. So what were four men with a man on a cot going to do? Most of us have been there. Most of us have got to where the vicinity of Jesus and said, well, he's working over there. I've been living this way a while. I'll stick with it. I'll take it back home. But those men said, today, we're not taking him back. We can't get through the door. We can't. You know, the problem with so many people is that they get to the altar experience. They get to the place where they want to hear God. They want to hear the voice speak. And they get to that place and they find that it is crowded. I hope that every time I need to go to an altar, I find it crowded. That means some good things are going on. Every time that an altar is open, I hope it's crowded. I hope it's busy. I hope Jesus is occupied. He'll never be so occupied that he can't get to you, though. But so many have got to that place and said, well, let's just, oh, Lord, here we are again. We prayed this prayer the other day, Lord, and we're holding on by faith, not letting go, not doubting. Let's take the man back home. We'll try again tomorrow. Anybody ever prayed one of them prayers? We want God to do it. God, please show up. I asked you yesterday, and I asked you the day before, and I'll ask you tomorrow. Problem is you get used to carrying that load. You get used to praying that prayer, and you get used to not getting anything. And those men said, today is not the day that we walk out here with him. Most would give up and say, we'll try again. I mean, literally, you, just take your, your mind for a moment and, and go with me to to a little house and the windows are crowded. The doors are crowded. You can hear the inside, people excited, things going on, but you're so far outside that you, can, you can't even make out the words being said. And you, 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 you've got this, this thing you've been carrying and you're hoping to get in there, but you know that, that hours will pass before you ever even get close to the door. No one's wanting to leave. No one's walking away. And so it's, it's just one of those things you think, I can't ever get there. And most would say, it's, it's okay. We've been dealing with it. We'll deal with it another day. And we'll take it home with us. But they said, today, I'm going to find a way to get in that presence. This is where I like the story. As I said, the doors are crowded. The windows are crowded. We've, gone, we've climbed the back fence and the backside's just bad. Everybody else done trampled down the fence on the other side. And, 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 and you, there's no way. I am convinced, this is me, this ain't Bible, that there were not stairs to the roof. If there were stairs to the roof, the roof would have been crowded. But four men said, there's a way. It's not going to be easy, but we're going up. And they went up on the roof. How they got it up there, I don't know. But they got up there and they got the man up there with them. And now, this is the fun part. Because the Sunday school version says that they opened up the roof. And they let him down. And then we serve cookies and punch. I'm all, I could use cookies and punch tonight. But if you think for a moment... 
The scripture says they uncovered the roof. And when they had broken it up. There is a point. And if you don't get nothing else tonight, get this. There is a point when you decide to get in the presence of God that you got to get to the place I cannot come back from. You can come in and worship and magnify and feel the presence of God and, and do it over and over again and feel good about it. But if you don't decide, I'm going in, and when I get there, there is no other way out except God does something for my life. You need to find a place and say, you know what, God, I'm tired of praying the same prayer. Tonight's the night that I leave it all at the altar. Tonight's the night I don't walk out here deciding to babysit it tomorrow. But my problems will stop at the altar whether you answer or not. You say, well, that's a dumb statement. No, that's literally what they did. When they broke open the roof and let him down, they were not retrieving him. My problem is staying in the presence of Jesus. I'm not picking. You know what the devil wants you to do? He wants you to come in and say, God, would you do something for me? All right, I gave him my minute. Come on back home. with The devil would love for you to load it up and take you back home with you. But you need to say tonight, I don't care if I don't sleep at all tonight. I'm knowing I'm leaving it in the presence of the Almighty. You don't need to go home and babysit it. You don't need to get on the phone about it. You don't need to talk about it. You need to say, I left it in the presence of Jesus. You realize that those men said, well, guys, let's see. Front door is about there. You know where Jesus is at? I don't know where he's at. He's in the house. Well, give me the sledgehammer. I tried to find a sledgehammer for service. I didn't want a real one because I'd get crazy. I went to the party store hoping they had a plastic or rubber one. Because a sledgehammer is used for one thing. You don't build pretty pulpits with it. It is for destruction. It is for tearing down and possible rebuilding later. But you don't use a big old sledgehammer to drive a nail. But I just seem to say, hey, hand me the sledgehammer. What are you going to do? Well, I'm going to find Jesus. You imagine the people inside the building. All of a sudden, wham! And plaster falls in some lady's hair. What's going on? The ceiling is cracked. Wham! There's another. About that time, a big chunk falls down. Boom! Move out of the way. And looking up, the guy peeking through there, hey, are we close to Jesus? No, we can't see him in here. He's in the other room. Okay. Wrong room. Give me the sledgehammer. You realize about the first swat of the sledgehammer, that one guy said, you know what? If we don't leave it here, we've got a problem. And if God doesn't do something, we're in real big trouble. I think the guy will be forgiving a little bit if God does something miraculous for us tearing his roof up. But either way, we're leaving in his presence. You need to get the mindset, the understanding that yeah, I don't care if I have to tear every, a hole in every room. When I find him, something's going down that's not coming up. 
If you've never been baptized, something needs to go down that's not coming back up. If you've never been to the altar, something needs to go down that's not coming back with you. You need to leave some things behind. And as they wham down and beat down and broke down every other place peeking through, I don't see Jesus yet. I don't see, okay, go over here. And as the plaster fell, their faith was saying, I can't stop. I, I can't turn back. And as they finally found him, what's going on up there? We got to get to Jesus. We got to get to his place. And you found him. You found him. Come on. What are you going to do now? Oh, you'll need a clear spot. What I got to let down needs some room. Some of you carrying around so much stuff and junk that when you begin to break open the roof, you need a, you need a crane to come in with a wrecking ball and wham. God, I've made a big enough hole. Here it comes. Bitterness and attitudes and problems and situations you drag around with you, you need to let them down into his presence and say, God, whatever you do with it, I'm not taking it back. The point was, those men made up their mind that whatever they left in the presence of God was staying there. You say, I don't know how to do that. I can't stop thinking about it. It's all right. You stop dealing with it the way that you dealt. You say, well, I thought God would do something amazing. He did something amazing. But you're still human. When you leave it at the altar, you got to let God have He let They let God have it without knowing how he was going to deal with it. And their response was, we're done with it. We're not bringing him back up. We're not talking about him. We're not doing anything. It's his problem now. And you need to understand, if I can put it in the presence of the Almighty then I can stop dealing with it the way I've been dealing with it. This is not in my notes, but I just feel to stay on this. The way you deal with things determines the way God can handle them. The way you deal with things determines how you live tomorrow. The way you deal with things determines your attitude in the morning. So well, I'm happy for I'm not talking about your disposition. I'm talking about the way you deal with troubles in your life and problems. If you'll put them in the presence of God and say, it's not my problem anymore. I've got joy. I've got Holy Ghost. I am overcoming it and I'm leaving it there. There will be a transformation in you tomorrow morning when you wake up because you'll say, I don't have to deal with that today. Amen. Now, some of you are thinking, my boss is getting dropped in a big hole. That's okay. Drop your boss in a big hole. Not literally. But if you have a problem at the job, bust a hole. Jesus, it's staying in your situation. This situation is staying in your place. I can't deal with it anymore. The mentality that we have is, well, I will deal with it on my way. I will control it. I will handle it. You know, the, and I, I'm going I'm to I'm wrap it up here. I didn't bring a watch with me, so whatever time it is in Little Rock, I figured it out. Don't wait another day. Don't walk out of here tonight saying, well, i got to get some things right before I can deal with that. You know, somehow I feel older than I am sometimes when it comes to my, uh, I'm not speaking of wisdom. I don't have much. But I'm speaking of how, old-fashioned Pentecost dealt with things. And I prefer that way. I wouldn't do this if my dad was here. But my dad, most of you know him. If you don't, you're missing out. 
when he got the Holy Ghost, and I probably said this before. I, I was a young boy. I don't remember it. But I, re- I know the story. My dad drank. My dad smoked. I do remember my dad drinking and smoking. I remember those things. And my brother bore a scar. I think it's finally kind of gone away after 44 years from a cigarette burn on the side of his face. My dad picked him up. But at the age of three, we got picked up and we're bus kids. But my dad, shortly thereafter, came to an altar and received the Holy Ghost. And from that moment to today, no cigarettes, no drinking. His life was transformed. The scripture says that the sins of the father are passed on to the second and third generation. That means if you drink, it is very likely that your children will drink. And their children will drink. The second and third is just from the first person. Literally, it means it will never stop. If you have bad habits and problems, sins, things that you do, it's most likely going to be passed on to you. I don't have nicotine stains. I don't have cirrhosis of the liver. Because when a man went to the altar... He broke some things up. The scripture said they broke it up. He broke some things up that he couldn't retrieve. He couldn't bring it back. He left it and dealt with it. Now, I don't know. I've never asked my dad, Dad, did you have cravings the next day? Did you have cravings a month later? Did you have cravings for this or that? I don't know. But I know that he never had a problem from then on. I can't explain why God doesn't deliver some people instantaneously and why some people battle something, but it might have something to do with how you bring it and how you take it out. The Bible, if you, could, if you look at that second and third generation, we should all be in trouble. But thank God you can get to a place that you can say, this is where it ends because now I've got two boys that don't have to worry about if dad's going to come home in a stupor. They don't have to worry about if dad's going to fall over dead from lung cancer. They don't have to worry about how dad's going to treat them, how mom's going to treat them because somewhere in the lineage back then, somebody said, I'm going to break some things. I'm not picking it back up. I'm not babysitting it tomorrow. I'm not bringing it home again. I just feel in the Holy Ghost to tell somebody, you ha- you've got problems in your life and you're saying, I haven't brought that in on me. That wasn't part of me. It's okay. It might have been from another generation, but you can be the one to help break it. You know, sometimes the easiest thing to do is have a conversation and get someone to understand, hey, I'm praying for you, and we're going to break that in your life. An addict doesn't want to be an addict. He wants to leave it broken at the altar. An addict doesn't want to be controlled. I don't want to be controlled by things. I want to leave it at the altar. Amen. You can stand. A new... That the day had to end by getting to Jesus at any cost. I love the fact that there's no reference to the homeowner saying, Hey, guys, my house. 
I could just imagine being the homeowner. Waking up the next morning. And your eyes open. There's a hole above you. A bird peeking in at you. And you just think, my. I've got some testimonies in these holes. I've got some testimonies of what God did around here. Because there's still some noise in that house. Science says that sound never dissipates. That this, this is a beautiful illustration. That sermons that he preached in this room ten years ago are still reverberating. The Word of God is still... It never dissipates. It just gets to a point where we can't hear it. Can you imagine when that guy woke up and just began to think about, hey, I can't hear it today, but I know what noise is in this house. I know what's happening around me. I know what happened. You imagine waking up tomorrow and saying, I can't really hear the keyboard and the, the voices have faded. But let me tell you what happened in my house. I feel the noise. I feel I left some things behind. I broke some things and I, I don't have to deal with them today. The altar, I'm about to open the altar, needs to be a place of destruction. It'll never be a place of life until it is a place of destruction. And I remember, I, I, I don't know a whole lot of great stories outside of myself, and mine aren't that great, but it's all I know is myself. But I remember my first time as a small boy going to the altar. I remember the prayer I prayed. I believe I was five. But I remember praying, telling God how big a pig the devil was. You know what? That was the beginning of some destruction in my life. And if you're too proud to walk up here with a sledgehammer and say, well, it ends tonight then you know what? You're going to walk out of here dealing with it tomorrow. Would you lift your hands and bow your head and just begin to swing that hammer? These altars are open. If you want to find a place to pray, if you want to find a place to begin to destroy some things in your life, walk out of here saying, well, I don't know who's going to clean up the mess, but I'm leaving it for Jesus.